This is God's servant Dilip Koshikoshi. I am the pastor of Revelation Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. I pray that you will experience the power of God's word in all its richness and glory today. May your faith be revived, your mind be renewed, and your body be healed in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Let's pray and um, look to the Lord. Thank you, Father, for all that you have in store for us today. Minister to us, Lord. Minister to your people. Lord, today is a special day for us. It's, it's, the, it's the most special day for us. For what it is, for what it is and what it means. It is the most special day for us. We remember. We remember. We remember. We bring to mind. We turn our attention to what this day is about. Hallelujah. What no man can achieve, what no man could do, God did through his son. Amen. And raised him from the dead. God raised him from the dead. God raised him from the dead so that we can have eternal life. We can be sons of God. We can be sons of God. Thank you, Father. We marvel at this work. We marvel at this redemptive work on the cross. We marvel at it. We wonder. We are amazed. We stand in awe. Thank you, Father. Thank you that it is for us. Minister to us, Lord, even as we look into the word today. Have your way in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We had a beautiful time uh, at Good Friday, on Good Friday at the service. When we gathered together to consider the, the work of Christ on the cross, uh, both in, in worship and in the meditation of God's word. And it is an amazing uh, word that uh, Brother Royce was sharing that, that morning, reflecting on what it, what it means to us. And we are together again on this Sunday morning, reflecting on the resurrection of Christ. On Friday, we reflected on the crucifixion of Christ. And two days later, we are here to reflect on the resurrection of Christ. Amen. Isn't it amazing? Think about it. And while on the cross, Christ said something, which we all know what it is. He said it is finished. You know, denoting the fact that it is a finished work. Amen. The work of Christ on the cross is a finished work. Say finished work. I'm going to say it with some joy. It's a finished work. You don't have to do anything more to it. You don't have to add anything to it. You only have to believe in the finished work of Christ. Amen. It's a finished work. It's a completed work. Amen. There's nobody else have to, is required to fill it up. Now, our part of filling it up is, is by believing and in, in ministering it to others and telling others about it. That's the only thing that we have to do. But the, the work on itself is a finished work. And when Jesus said on the cross, he stretched his arms and he was made to stretch his arms on the cross. And you know, he said, it is finished. You know, he said it with the knowledge and the conviction that he's going to be raised again from the dead. Oh, you didn't hear that. When Jesus said, it is finished. He said it with the complete conviction that he will be raised from the dead. This is a resurrection that completes or finishes the work on the cross. Resurrection completes crucifixion. Resurrection completes the burial. Amen. It completes the work of Christ. Now, without the resurrection, it is an incomplete work. But the resurrection is what makes it complete. And that can 
kind of sound quite simple and obvious to understand. Of course, yeah, the resurrection completes the crucifixion. But, you know, you, you must understand what it actually means. What is the gospel? The gospel that you believe in, the gospel that you preach. What is the gospel? For many of you, the gospel is Christ, God so loved the world that we, like we, we sang that song, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, the gospel is, for most of us, the gospel is the fact that Christ came, shed his blood and died for us and, you know, for the propitiation for our sins, full stop. Which is true, not wrong. Because that in itself is so rich. The fact that the Son of God came into this world, he died, he shed his blood, he took on the sufferings, and he was buried. That itself is too profound for us. It's too much for us to handle. What do you think? I don't think there's anybody here who's completely got in terms with that. We're not completely understood. How can we fathom it? Who can comprehend the, the dimensions of that love? Which was displayed when he died on the cross. He died on the cross. When he died on the cross, the love which was displayed, the, the, the love which was demonstrated for us, when he died on the cross... So for most of us, the gospel, when we think about the gospel, when we preach the gospel, when we present the gospel, when we consider the gospel, it is pretty much about the death of Christ, the sufferings of Christ. Now, Paul was the apostolic authority over the Corinthian church. I hope you all know that. He's the one who mentored them. He's the one who discipled them. He's the one who taught them God's word and, you know, you know, he, he, he spent almost two years or 18 months, something like that, teaching the Corinthian church, God's word, and then he left. And, you know, there were other leaders in place to, to continue to minister to them. And then he heard some disturbing reports about the Corinthian church. I hope you've studied the book of Corinthians, the context of it. The Corinthian, the, the, first, the, the, the first epistle of, uh, epistle to the Corinthian church was written based on the response of Paul getting to know some disturbing reports about the church. How many of you knew that? He heard reports about the carnal behavior of the believers in the Corinthian church. Think about it. In the church, carnality. So he had to respond to that because he's the pastor. He's the, he's the apostle. He's the shepherd over them. He's the one who discipled them in the first place. So he had to respond. He heard about the carnality. He heard about incest. Can you believe it? He heard about incest in the church. Today we, we hear about, uh, you know, immorality and adultery in the church. We lose our bearings. But look at this. The, the church to which Paul ministered to had the same issue. Incest in the church. He heard about it. And he, he heard about uh, uh, legal litigation going on between believers in the church. How can you handle it? Just imagine, you know, two believers in this church battling it out in the court over a piece of land or over some money. I mean, whatever it is, we don't know what exactly what was going on, but Paul addressed that also. There's, there's legal battle going on, litigation going on between believers in the same church. So Paul heard about it. He heard about disunity. He heard about... Uh, you know, them being divided. Sectarianism, if, you, if I can call it like that. Divided into sects. 
divide into you know groups within the church and then he heard about the unnecessary confusion regarding the spiritual gifts unnecessary i mean why why would anybody be confused about spiritual gifts it's a gift gift is not given to be to confuse people it's given to be celebrated right Amen. So he he is hearing about the reports that okay in the Corinthian church the gifts of of the Holy Spirit are given and they are so confused about it, the use of it and there's an abuse in the way they handle it. And then the, he was informed about the lack of discipline concerning the observance of the Lord's table. That's a whole package. Think about it. If you read the the book of Corinth the the epistle of the Corinthians the first epistle to Corinthian church you will read about all these things specific things which he had to deal with he addressed these specifics in the in the church disunity division you know hatred or animosity between believers incest in the church immorality and lack of discipline and you know uh, poor perspective concerning the order of the church and things like that and think about it you as a leader if you were to i don't know how many of you can imagine that but i can being a pastor i can kind of understand what he was going through different things it's not just one one thing that he has to address it's of different things you know ranging different um, you know aspects of life aspects of church and he had to address it all So when he put together the first epistle he had to address a plethora of issues that is why the the book of the first corinthians the the first corinthians is a letter which is a long letter 16 chapters it's a long letter because he has to address all these things he had to spend time addressing writing about all these things and he definitely written has written one more epistle to them that we know second corinthians and maybe more than that which we are not aware of but probability is there that you know this man would have written more letters maybe not part of the canon maybe it was lost maybe it was not included for whatever reason we don't know but definitely two letters so that's how much he cared for this church and when he heard about these disturbing reports this this uh, issues that are sp- that have sprung up in the church he had to address those things So when he wrote the epistle he covered all these topics say all these topics say all these topics and when you read through the book of corinthians first corinthians you will read about all these things he addressed all these topics but he had to reinforce something foundational to them so when he came to the the conclusion of that letter he wanted to wrap it up and he addressed all these issues one by one division and immorality adultery and and uh, uh, you know all those things that i mentioned lack of discipline and all those things he addressed every one of those issues one by one and then he had to wrap up the letter conclude the letter and in concluding the letter he wanted to reinforce to them what the gospel is to remind them the gospel because the understanding of the gospel can actually prevent people from going into these things the right understanding the right perspective so he, he wanted to tell them what the gospel is which he preached to them are you with me are you with me 
Are you all with me? Don't lose focus. Just, just come with me. So in, in chapter 15, which is the, the penultimate chapter of this, this book, we read uh, that he explains to them what the gospel is. First Corinthians chapter 15. He explains to them what the gospel is. Let's go there. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 onwards. Don't forget the context. The context is this different various kinds of issues that he had to deal with. And he dealt with all those things. And before concluding, he wanted to reinforce to them what he had taught them sometime earlier. The gospel. What he had given to them. And now he goes, Now I make known to you. Say make known to you. I make known to you the gospel. Brethren, the gospel. Say the gospel. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you. So he's repeating the gospel. Say, repeating the gospel. So I want to remind you. I want to come again to you. I want to write again to you and remind you of the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received. Not only did he preach the gospel, they also received the gospel. In which also you stand, by which also you are saved. This is the gospel. And I want to remind you about this gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, which also, by which you are saved. In which you stand and by which you are saved. If you hold fast the word, which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So he does not want them to believe in vain. Tell your neighbor, don't believe in vain. Remember the gospel. Tell your neighbor, remember the gospel. For what it is. For what it is. Don't believe in vain. Remember the gospel for what it is. Now remember what you have believed in. Remember what was preached to you. Remember what you received. Remember what you stand upon. Remember what is going to save you. Amen. And he wants to remind them of these things. And then I say, for I deliver to you. The next verse, for I Delivered to you. He's talking about how he came to them with the gospel. He was the evangelist to them. He is, he is the one who ministered to the gospel to them. So he's saying, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So he did not dilute what he received. He presented to them exactly what he received. Are you with me? It's important that you pass on what you have received. Amen. It is important that you preach what you receive. Don't dilute the gospel. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received. That's the most important thing that he, he focused on. What I received, that I preached to you. That's the most important thing that I did. And then he explains what he did. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Say Christ died. This is the gospel, okay? Come with me. This is the gospel. Okay, young, young children, all of you, listen. What's the gospel? Christ died for you according to the scriptures and that he was buried. Say, and that he was buried. Okay, one more time. Christ died for you according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised the gospel. Amen. Christ died for you according to the scripture 
and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures everything is according to the scriptures and that he appeared to cephas or kephas then to the 12 after that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time most of whom remain until now but some have fallen asleep then he appeared to james then to all the apostles and last of all as to one untimely born he appeared to me also hallelujah now how do i know all these things he appeared to me also and you must have that conviction he appeared to you also because he was publicly portrayed as being crucified before your very eyes amen when you receive the gospel in faith it's not a it's not a uh, it's not a popular myth that you're believing in it's a personal conviction that you carry concerning the gospel amen so what's the gospel that christ died according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures this is the gospel this is the gospel Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and he was raised on the third day and he appeared to people so do not put a full stop in between these things when you press in the gospel Christ died for your sins and let them go and understand okay Christ died for because that is it's like i said that in itself is big and you can do a a lifetime of bible study on the death of Christ just on the death of Christ just on the blood of christ you can do a a church time of bible study just on the blood of christ just on the broken body you can do a bible study for the rest of your life that's how deep how profound this is so when we present the gospel we tend to put a full stop he died for your sins no he died he was buried and he was raised that's the gospel Now think about baptism you know when i baptize people i always tell them this about baptism baptism is a declaration we all know that baptism is a the public proclamation of the inward change of what you believe in the conviction that you carry you're proclaiming it to the world it's as simple as that so in baptism what are you what are you proclaiming you're proclaiming the lord's death his burial and his resurrection are you getting this Okay, I hope you all all of you know that you know when you go into the water you are representing you are you are proclaiming the lord's death you are identifying yourself with the lord's death and you go into the water you are being buried with christ like christ was buried in the tomb when you go into the water is burial and when you come out of the water it is the resurrection into new life with christ that's how the bible like explains baptism amen why is that why is that baptism because baptism is about the gospel Baptism is the result of the gospel. Baptism is the conviction that you you believe in the gospel. Amen. So this is the gospel. So the the death, the burial and the resurrection of Christ is the gospel. So Paul dedicated an entire chapter. You read through the book of the the 1st Corinthians the epistle, you read through it, you'll realize that he dedicated an entire chapter to convey this very important matter in this very important letter. to tell them what the gospel is which he had preached to them and he he deemed it very important to reiterate this 
Today the church needs to be reminded this is the gospel. We need to be reminded. We all need reminders that this is the gospel. You cannot take away the resurrection of Christ from the gospel. And I'll tell you why it is important. How important is it to keep the resurrection of Jesus right on top of the gospel message that you preach? You're going for missions. You're going for outreach in a while from now, maybe in a month's time. How important is it to to keep the, the resurrection of Christ top of it all when you preach the gospel, when you present the gospel? Is it just a cherry on the top? Just for decoration. Just a cherry on the top. You know, you put the cherry on the top of the cake just for decoration, for aesthetics. Resurrection is not just for aesthetics. Is it just a, a superfluous piece of information which you may or may not mention when you preach the gospel? The resurrection of Jesus Christ is what seals the work on the cross. It completes the work on the cross. It completes the work on the cross. It completes the scripture. It completes the prophecy. It completes by biblical predictions. It completes it. And why is it so important and so integral, integral when we preach the gospel? Does the resurrection of Christ carry so much of weight in our Christian faith? Let's keep reading from verse 12, same chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses, verses 12 down. Now, if Christ is preached, okay, now he's saying, he, he said what he had preached to them. She's reminded them of the gospel which he had preached to them. And he's saying, if Christ is preached that he had been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So he's dealing with that also because some of them are believing there's no resurrection from the dead. So he's saying, if I came to you preaching the gospel and my message was that Christ was raised from the dead, how is it that some of you believe there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. If you're denying the resurrection from the dead, then Christ also would not have raised from the dead, would not be raised from the dead. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. You're preaching in vain. If Christ did not raise her from the dead, your preaching is vain. It's vanity. Your ministering of the gospel is vanity. If not for the resurrection of Christ. Hello, are you with me? Your ministering of the gospel is vanity. It's zero. It amounts to silt. If not for the resurrection of Christ. Your faith is also in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise. So that's the crime that we're committing. If you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, you know, the crime that we're committing is so much. You know, we are in fact saying we are being false witnesses of God by claiming that God raised him from the dead. Because we testified against God that he raised Christ from the dead, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. 
And if Christ has not been raised, your, your faith is worthless. Say worthless. Your faith is worthless without the resurrection of Christ. Without the resurrection Sunday and the message of what this day is about, your faith is worthless. You are believing in vain. Your preaching is vanity. Your evangelism is vanity. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Are you getting this? You present a gospel without the resurrection of Christ. This is the outcome of it. You're denying that people have been freed from their sins. You're still in your sins. If Christ is not raised, you're still in your sins. Think about it. If Christ is not raised, you're still in your sins. Then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. If you don't believe in the resurrection of Christ, you are to be pitied. You know why? Because in Romans chapter 4 and verse 15, sorry, sorry Romans chapter 4 and verse 25 says that he was raised for our justification. Or because of our justification. Christ was raised for our justification. Meaning, if Christ is not raised, we are not being justified. Or else, or if we, if we are not being justified, Christ would not, be, would not be raised. So if you're gonna downplay or undermine the resurrection of Christ, you are in effect denying that you've been justified of your sins. Are you with me? Are you getting what I'm trying to tell you here? If your hope for Christ is about this life only, you're of all men most to be pitied. Now let's think about the, okay, let me quickly wrap it up. Think about the disciples. Think about the, the women who went to the, the tomb early Sunday morning. They went to the tomb. They went to the tomb early in the morning. Why did they go to the tomb? Is it to see the risen Christ? Hello? Is it to see the risen Christ? Did they, did the women who went to the tomb, go there to see the risen Christ. You all know that, right? They didn't go to see the risen Christ. But were they told that he will be raised from the dead? Are you with me? They were told that he will be raised from the dead. But they didn't go to the tomb to see the risen Christ. In fact, they went to the tomb to anoint his body with perfume and spices. Which body? Say dead body. So they didn't go to see the living Christ. They went there to see the dead body of Christ. The, the, the disciples, think about the disciples, 11 of them. Let's count Judas out. The 11 disciples, they were disheartened. They were discouraged after the crucifixion. They all scattered. They, were, they all hid. Why? Were they told that Christ would be raised from the dead? Yes or no? They were told, right? Christ prophesied about his, his death and his resurrection. The scriptures told them about the same. It was screaming at them that he'll come back to life. Then why? They've seen all kinds of miracles. They've seen all kinds of wonders. Isn't it? Are you with me? But on that day, when the crucifixion happened, they all scattered. The most aggressive of them all. Who is that? 
Peter, the most aggressive disciple of them all, what did he do? He denied him three times. He denied him three times. He was already making plans. He, he was so depressed. He was at the verge of losing his mind, I believe. He was so depressed in life that he denied the Christ whom he loved so much. Not only did he love Christ so much, he professed his love for him openly. Every opportunity he got to, to, to say about the love that he had for Christ, he was so open, so vocal about it. But, but when the crucifixion happened, when the sufferings took place, he denied. He was already making plans. I'm going to mourn for a few days. I'm going to somehow find something to fill this void which Christ has left in me. Go back and find the old net maybe. Go back and get the old boat maybe. And go back to fishing. That's what he did. Isn't it right? Hallelujah. So they all had hope for Christ in this life only. Is that right or wrong? That's what it is. They had hope for Christ. They had a love for Christ. They had a hope in him concerning this life only. The moment he died, their hope, oh, it all waxed, it all waned. It went away. And they were mourning. They were talking about anointing him with perfume and spices. They are talking about going back to their old occupation or fishing or whatever it is. Even when, okay now, finally Mary Magdalene, the one woman amongst them who had a great testimony. How many demons went out of her when Jesus ministered to her? Seven demons. She was one of her character, Mary Magdalene. Very credible now. Why? Because she has received ministering from the Lord. She saw the risen Christ. She went back and told them, I saw the Lord. Did they believe? She was one amongst them, right? Hello, are you with me? She was one amongst them, but she saw the Christ and came back and reported them that I saw Christ raised from the dead, risen Christ. They did not believe. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus met with Christ, the risen Christ. They went and reported that to the disciples. Did they believe? Hello, did they believe? Why? 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 You tell me why. I'm, I'm waiting for the answer. Why did they, they didn't believe? That's right. Their hope was only for this life. For them, the moment Christ died, they wrapped up their hope and put it in a box and they moved on in life. And now some of us are like that. Our focus is on this life. We are so focused about this life. It's about this life that we've been forgiven. Yes, about this life. About what we need in this life. And then Paul had to address all those sins he saw in the church. He had to tell them, it's not about this life. It's not about this life. I want to remind you what I preach to you. I want to remind you what you receive. I want to remind you what you're standing upon. And I want to remind you what will save you. It's about the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. 
Why is it important? Because by the resurrection of Christ, you've been justified. And by the resurrection of Christ, there is hope for you. Because the resurrection of Christ proves there is a resurrection from the dead. It was raised from the dead to prove as an evidence to tell you there's a resurrection from the dead. So that you will not be so caught up in the things of this world. You will not be so caught up in the things of this life. But you'll keep meditating on things above. You look expectantly for Christ. For he has overcome this world. And you wait for the world to come. New heavens, new earth. Eternity. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 20 down. But now... Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. Now, what is, you know what, what is the, what is the uh, importance of first fruits in farming, in cultivation? What is the, what is the importance of seeing the first fruits? Now, you, a farmer sowed, okay, he sowed or he planted and he's waiting for the yield. And he's waiting to see the first fruits. You know why? The first fruits is proof harvest is coming. The first fruits is proof that harvest is coming. So when Christ raised from the dead, it is proof that harvest is coming. It is proof that harvest is coming. And what harvest are we talking about? Let's keep reading. Now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his order. Look at the order. Christ, the first fruits. After that, those who are Christ at his at his, what are you excited in life about? Say his coming. His coming. Say his coming. Resurrection Sunday must remind you about his coming. Jesus Christ is coming back soon. Amen. That's what we celebrate on, on Easter Sunday morning. Easter Sunday morning is about the coming of the Lord. Because we declare the first fruits. Which is Christ. The resurrection of Christ. Prove that harvest is coming. In its order. First the first fruits which we already saw. Amen. But each in his order. Christ the first fruits. After, this, after that those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end. When he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father. When he had abolished all rule and all authority and power. Amen. Let's read uh, 51 down to 58 also and we'll close. 51 to 58. Behold. 51, yes. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. But we will all be changed. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. And the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will all be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable. And this mortal must put on immortality. And when this perishable will have put on the imperishable. And this mortal will have put on immortality. Then will come about the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death where is your victory? 
O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. We've been we'll be raised. Now we will we'll be the, the continuation of the first fruits. Amen. And look at the next verse. He concludes by saying this. Therefore, say therefore. When the Bible says therefore, pay attention. Okay? If needed, go back to all the scripture before that. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not vain in the Lord. Don't get caught up in all these rubbish. Don't get stuck in the sin that is so easily entangling you. Don't get stuck in all the things of this world. Don't be so uh, uh, attracted, swayed by all the things that you see in this world. It is not about any of those things. We will not all sleep, but we'll all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. So, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not vain in the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's read it together one more time. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. This is the message of Easter. This is the message of Easter. Do not be, do not be swayed. Do not lose your focus. Amen. The first fruits is proof that harvest is coming and you are part of that harvest. Amen. You'll all be changed. All will be made alive. Everyone who is in Christ will be made alive. Just like Christ was raised from the dead, you will put on the imperishable. You will put on the incorruptible. Amen. You will put on the glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't hope for Christ in this life alone. Don't be so focused about this life alone. Then you'll be pitiable. Think about the life to come. Let's give thanks. Thank you, Father, for what this day is. Thank you, Lord, that your resurrection holds such weight in the gospel that we have believed in. It, it, it is the gospel that we believe in. It is the, the most integral part of the gospel that we have received in which we stand and by which we will be saved. We don't want to be forgetful of this. And we don't want to be forgetful when we minister the gospel to others, Lord. We want this to be presented. We want this to be conveyed that you have been raised from the dead. Because it is important for us to understand that. Because it holds promise for the future. It is not about this life. Help us to be mindful of the things above. To set our minds on things above, not on things below. But to keep, your, keep our eyes focused on Christ. To always seek the things above. Christ is going to appear. Christ is going to appear. Christ is going to appear. He's going to appear. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. He is coming. And we'll all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. We'll all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. We'll all put on the imperishable. We'll all put on glory. Hallelujah. We will be glorified. Even as we've been justified, we will be glorified. We will be glorified. The resurrection of Christ was for our justification. The coming of the Lord is for our glorification. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Help us live in the light of this truth. 
Thank you, Father, for ministering to us this morning. Thank you for the wonderful time of worship. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for ministering to us, Lord, even through the, through the entire service today. And even as we're going to have fellowship over a breakfast, Lord, to celebrate this great victory of yours. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to minister to each other through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We'll encourage each other by God's word. May our gestures, may our, may our words, may our pleasantries, everything be ministering the, the goodness of God. May it remind each other that you're coming. May it remind each other that the first fruits have been manifested in Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello, this is Nishad Dilipkoshi. I'm sure this podcast has blessed you. Do subscribe to our channel for more messages and follow us on social media to stay connected. May God bless you.